Thanks so much for joining us for this message from The Bridge Church. Our mission is to be a church that exists for Christ, for community, and for the city. We believe Jesus has called us to make an impact in our culture for the next generation, for diversity, for healthy families, and for church planning. Today's sermon is from the series Messy Life from the book of 1 Corinthians. If this message inspires you to love Jesus and follow him more, send us an email at stories at thebridgeilm.com. Well, good morning, Bridge Church. My name's Josh. I'm one of the pastors here. Um, I do want to take a, a quick second. You heard Ethan talk about uh, God's providence and bringing to us the, the Haiti trip. Uh, I, I want to mention to you just again that uh, we have right now two international opportunities that we're partnering with. Uh, the first one, as you know, is, is the, the trip to Haiti. Uh, that's going to be July 30th through August 5th, I believe. It's a, it's a week long. Um, so that's, that's coming up towards the end of the summer, and then we have another trip that's going to be to Spain, and that is going to be in October, uh, October 8th through 15th, so another week-long trip there. Uh, if, if any of that interests you, please come up and, and speak with us afterwards. love to get you connected to that and get you on the list of, of people who are interested. But um, the, the way that Haiti trip really worked out, God really blew our minds with that. Um, it was actually the last time I preached during the Advent series. Uh, in which we, we were talking about international missions, and you know, the week prior to that, we had to really nail down where we were going, what we were going to do. And so we decided, you know what, let's, let's call it. We're, we're going to go to Haiti. And we hadn't really connected with anyone that um, was in Haiti yet and didn't really know what that was going to look like. We figured, well, we'll just say we're going to go, and we'll figure it out later. And um, it was just really, really amazing. We, we knew that some people here uh, that are part of the bridge had been to Haiti before, and they had mentioned this group named Haiti Awake, and you know I didn't know anyone uh, that was a part of that, and came up here and I announced that we were going to Haiti, and it just so happened that on that Sunday for the first time here at the bridge, uh, the family, uh, Becky and Rick and, and their their children, who run Haiti Awake, were here, um, and so in God's providence, He brought them here. The first time we even say that we're considering going to Haiti. And uh, we're really excited to, to see how that partnership has formed and how it's going to form uh, as we continue. And so truly, truly an act of, uh, of God in, in his providence. So um, it's, been, it's been really cool to, to watch him work in that way. All right, well, the last few weeks we have been in 1 Corinthians. And so if you have your Bibles, you can go ahead and turn there. And what we've been discussing, uh, we've been discussing the, the messiness of life. Right? That, that's, that's the name of the series, Messy Life. And a lot of us have been really encouraged through reading the story of the Corinthians. And the reason we've been encouraged is because we see these Corinthians and just how jacked up they are. Right? And, and we look at them like, man, I'm so glad they're way more jacked up than I am. And, uh, and again, it's encouraging, and some of us are just as jacked up as they are. Um, but what's encouraging about that is that we see... God's redemption go to these people and God calling them out of that messiness, cleaning them up, picking them up, and calling them into a relationship with him. And that's encouraging. That's really encouraging to me who came from a really messy life and uh, God picking them up and, and showing them the way. And what that shows us is that nobody, nobody is too far gone. No one's life is too messy for God to pull you out of that and to clean you up and redeem you. And so as I said, we're going to be in 1 Corinthians, starting in chapter 2, uh, verse 6. Now up to this point in 
1 Corinthians, Paul has been contrasting the wisdom of the world with God's wisdom. Right? So he spent the first chapter and a half going through and, and contrasting the, the worldly wisdom with the wisdom of God. And he, he starts to talk about how the gospel and Christ and, and how that's foolishness to those who don't know God. And in essence, what Paul's really been doing is he has been exposing the emptiness and the dissatisfaction of all the ways that the world tells us to find purpose and salvation. That's what he's been exposing, right? So this whole first chapter and a half, Paul's been exposing the emptiness of the worldly ways to find purpose and satisfaction. And most of us probably have experienced the emptiness that comes with that. I love the way David Pryor says it. He says, Paul has effectively emptied such human wisdom of all ultimate value and of any consequent attractiveness. And what he's saying there is that Paul has made the worldly wisdom unattractive by exposing its true self, by exposing the fact that worldly wisdom is not true wisdom. Paul's done a really masterful job up to this point of showing how the world in all of its wisdom compared to God is absolutely nothing. Compared to the God of the universe, it's nothing. It will not satisfy. That's what he's done up to this point. And today what we're going to see, we're going to see a few truths that have been revealed to us. Let's pick up in verse 6. Paul says, Yet we do speak wisdom among those who are mature. A wisdom, however, not of this age, nor of the rulers of this age, who are passing away. But we speak God's wisdom in a mystery, the hidden wisdom, which God predestined before the ages to our glory. The wisdom which none of the rulers of this age has understood. For if they had understood it, then they would not have crucified the Lord of glory. But just as it is written, things which eye has not seen and ear has not heard, and which have not entered the heart of man, all that God has prepared for those who love him. In the first few verses of chapter 2, Paul, Paul states that he, he did not come to the Corinthians and use wisdom and persuasive speech. Right? What, what he is saying there is he came and he preached one thing. He preached Christ and he preached Christ crucified. In other words, he came to them with the gospel of Christ. And he simplified it. He didn't use this great wisdom and persuasive language. He wasn't using these big seminary terminology. He was simply telling them of the truth of the gospel. And he was continuing in this portion here to contrast again the, the, the wisdom of the world with the wisdom of God. And, and as we see here in verse 6, Paul says that they actually do speak a certain kind of wisdom but they speak it to those who are mature. And Paul's not, he, he's not talking about the, the emotionally mature or the, or the physically mature. Right? He's, he's talking here the spiritually mature. So he, he's not talking just adults. He's saying that we speak a wisdom, a wisdom that comes from God, but we speak it to those who are spiritually mature, those who are truly able to understand. And what Paul's doing is he's making this distinction he is making a distinction between those who love and follow God and those who do not. That's the distinction he's making. He's, he's essentially making the claim that, that those who are truly wise are those who love and follow Jesus. 
I mean, after all, if, 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 they, the, if the people of the world were really truly wise, if they really grasped and understood God's wisdom and God's plan, then they wouldn't have crucified Jesus, the very Son of God. Right? That's the point he's making. He says, look, if these people really understood what was happening, they wouldn't have crucified Jesus because they would have loved him and followed him. Therefore, they didn't get it. They, all those seemed wise according to the ways of the world. They did not understand God's plan. Those who are truly wise are those who are in Christ. Now, where I want to focus for just a few minutes is actually on verse 7. And in verse 7, we can, we can quickly read through this and, and miss the depth here of, of what Paul's really getting at and the importance of what he says. He says that we speak God's wisdom in a mystery. It's a, it's a hidden wisdom which God has predestined or predetermined before the ages to our glory. Paul says that, that he, along with the other apostles, they speak or, or they impart this secret, hidden wisdom. I mean, what, what in the world is that? Like, he's, he's got this, like, secret, hidden wisdom of God. I mean, I mean how do I get in on that? That's, that's my question when I read that. I'm like, I mean, there's some secret wisdom out there. I want that, right? I want to get in on whatever it is that he's got. I mean, is there some sort of wisdom or knowledge that's, that's only for a select few group of people, just for the apostles and just for, for guys like Paul? I mean, wait, is, is Paul teaching Gnosticism? Gnosticism, for those who may not be familiar, it's, it's, it's the belief of just that, that there's this secret wisdom that's only revealed to a select few people. Rest assured, Paul is not preaching Gnosticism. If you look throughout Scripture, he actually, he actually argues against that form of heresy and false teaching. So Paul's not teaching this sort of secret wisdom that's only revealed to a select couple of people, then, and those only you know, five or six people are the only ones that, that are truly in right relationship with God. But he clarifies at the end of his statement, and this is what he says. He says that this wisdom is the wisdom which God predestined before the ages to or, or for our glory. So it's, it's something that God predestined long before he created, and he did it for our glory. And so the question that, that's, that's really needing to be asked here is, well, what did God predestine from eternity to eternity for our glory or, or on our behalf? What was it that God decided this is going to happen? Well, in brief, Paul is saying that the, the wisdom of God is that God, in his wisdom, decided on Jesus Christ and Jesus Christ crucified. Long before anything else, God had already determined Jesus Christ and him crucified as the way of salvation. Long before time began, long before he created us in his own image, he decided on the gospel. So here's what that means for us. It means that from eternity past to eternity future, God's plan has always been Jesus, right? For before he did anything, and forever and always, God's plan is Jesus. The wisdom about which Paul is speaking is the decision from eternity past that, that Jesus would be the one and only way to salvation. That's the wisdom he's talking about. The wisdom that, that Jesus would come, God in the flesh, that, that the incarnation would actually happen that Jesus would then live the perfect life. He would live a perfect life and perfect relationship with both man and with God. 
the way that it was always designed to be. Then he would take up the cross. In his humility, he would lay aside his glory, and he would take upon himself our sin. He would be brutally beaten beyond recognition, and eventually he would hang for hours on the cross on our behalf. He would then die the death that you and I deserved. That's the wisdom that Paul is talking about. He says that God predestined Jesus would take that upon himself. He says this was the plan all along. God determined that this was going to happen before he even created. That Jesus would take upon himself our death, our sin, our punishment. And then that he would rise from the grave in victory. And to what end? Why would he do this? He would do it for our glorification. Or in other words, he would do it for our salvation. Right? He did this so that you and I could be in a right relationship with God. He did that so that you and I could experience the presence of God in our lives. So that we could have that relationship with the Father, with the Creator. So that we would actually be given the promise, the, the Holy Spirit, the Comforter. He did it so that creation would fulfill its created purpose to worship the one true God. This was all determined long before we were even here. That's why he did it. See, what, what blows my mind is that, that God knew at the time of creation, he knew that we would turn our backs on him. He knew Okay, this is, this is so hard. It makes my, my brain explode sometimes that God is outside of time. Right? He does not just exist here and now. He has always been and he will always be and, and he sees everything continually. It doesn't make sense in, in my head, but that's where he is. He created time. He is outside of it. And so he sees the beginning. He sees the end all as one. And so he knows everything that will happen and he knows everything that has happened. And so in creation, he already knew what was going to happen, and that man was going to rebel. Man would turn his back on him. And yet God, in his love and his mercy, still created us. I mean, why? Why, why in the world would God create us if he knew we were going to turn our backs on him? Right? If I had the ability to create some sort of being or, or something, and I already knew that it was going to walk away from me, I ain't creating it. Right? I'm just, you know what? If I already know that's going to happen, man, forget you. You're not going to love me. You're not going to come back to me. You're just not even going to exist. God still does it. Right? He knows we're going to run from him. And he still creates us. Why? Because he loves us and he wants to have a relationship. Right? That's why he doesn't leave us here sitting in our sin. As Romans 5, 8 tells us that God still loved us. God demonstrated his own love for us and that while we were yet sinners, Christ died for us. Or how about John three sixteen? God so loved the world that he gave his only son. And to what end? Why would he do that? So that whoever believes in him would not perish, but would have eternal life. Psalm, Psalm 103, which we just read. God has removed the sin as far as the east is from the west. Right? Psalm 103, verse 10, it says, He has not dealt with us according to our sins, nor has he rewarded us according to our iniquities. 
For as high as the heavens are above the earth, so great is his loving kindness toward those who fear him. As far as the east is from the west, so far has he removed our transgressions from us. You guys catch what happens here? He doesn't, he doesn't give us what we deserve. He doesn't reward us according to our iniquities. He hasn't dealt with us according to our sins. Rather, he gives us grace and he gives us mercy. And that while we were yet sinners, he came and he died on our behalf. We don't get what we deserve. That's mercy. That's mercy. Some of you today, some of you are, are here and you, you don't know that mercy. You don't know this grace. You can have that. You can have that today. God does not count those iniquities against you. What a great promise. That for those who trust, for those who repent, those who believe, those who turn their back on sin can turn toward Christ. Can say, Jesus, I believe that you have done everything necessary for my salvation. And he is good and he is just and he is faithful to say you will never, never experience my back being turned on you because now you are in Christ. And in Christ, that's what I see. I see him. I no longer see your sin. I see glory. You can do that this morning. You see, here's, here's the thing. A lot of us, we go through this life. We think we've got it all together. Right? We think, we think our lives are, are about us. I mean, shoot, at Half of you think everyone else's life should be about you, right? Many of us, and many of us even think that, that the Bible's about us, right? The Bible's, the Bible's not about us. The Bible's not about us. The world's not about us. Our lives are not about us. It has always been, and it will always be, about Jesus. Everything that Scripture talks about, it's about him. It all points to him. Every single thing about it. Amen. Prior says that it is in Christ crucified that the wisdom of God is embodied. It is, it is in Christ crucified that the wisdom of God is embodied. Jesus is the image of the invisible. He is this mysterious and secret wisdom, the gospel. That's the wisdom in which Paul is talking about. And what's great about this is that this is the wisdom, this is the truth that we never move on from. Right? We, we've said it this way before. The gospel is not the diving board into the pool. The gospel is the pool itself. You see, many people think that once you get the gospel, you can move on to worldly wisdom. No, the gospel says that you leave behind worldly wisdom and you come into the wisdom of God and you stay there. You stay in the gospel. The cross of Christ is something you never ever, ever move on from. It is what you continue to live in. And the, what we get to do is we get to grow in a deeper understanding of who Christ is. Amen. That's what it means. That's this wisdom that Paul's talking about. It's this revealed wisdom that God gives us through his spirit as we continue to grow in Christ. And the only way we are able to understand is through the power of the Holy Spirit, which actually leads us into our next few verses. Verse 10. He says, for to us, God revealed them through the Spirit. For the Spirit searches all things, even the depths of God. For who among men knows the thoughts of a man except the Spirit of the man which is in him? 
Even so, the thoughts of God no one knows except the Spirit of God. Now we have received not the Spirit of the world, but the Spirit who is from God, so that we may know the things freely given to us by God. Which things we also speak, not in words taught by human wisdom, but in those taught by the Spirit, combining spiritual thoughts with spiritual words. But a natural man does not accept the things of the Spirit of God, for they are foolishness to him, and he cannot understand them because they are spiritually appraised. But he who is spiritual appraises all things, yet he himself is appraised by no one. For who has known the mind of the Lord that he will instruct him? But we have the mind of Christ. Here's the second truth that is revealed to us in this passage. Christians must rely on the Holy Spirit. We must rely on the Holy Spirit. See, here's the reality of our lives. We can do absolutely nothing apart from God. We can't do a single thing apart from the power of God. You see, the reason we say that we believe Jesus has done everything necessary for our salvation is because there literally is absolutely nothing that we can do to be saved. I've said it this way before. The only thing that we even bring to the table for our salvation is the very sin that made it necessary. That's it. That is the absolute only thing that you and I bring to the table. It's sin. We cannot do anything to earn our salvation. See, this, this was a misconception that I had, right? Of being able to clean myself up, of some way earning some righteousness so that I could bring that to the table and say, see God, I'm trying. See God, I'm doing this. But he looks at me and he says, those, those things of righteousness that you think are, are good are like filthy rags to me because I am perfect. And when we look to a perfect God and we compare ourselves to him, we are nothing but dirty rags apart from Christ. All we bring is sin. But how loving and gracious is God to say, I'll take that and I will give you righteousness. I will give you perfection. And that is only found in Christ. You see, Scripture tells us that we were dead in our sin. We were absolutely lifeless. Every single one of us, as Romans 3 tells us, has, has fallen short of the glory of God. But the Gospel tells us that in spite of our rebellion, God saved us. He reconciled us. You see, this is the work of the Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit testifies to us the things of Christ. That is His job. That is His duty. That's what He does. He speaks to us the things of Christ. You see, we are only able to believe and have any even hint of understanding of the gospel because of the Holy Spirit at work in each one of us. The only reason that anyone understands the gospel is because of the Holy Spirit. Right? It's, it's not based in my own intelligence. That It wasn't my own reasoning and intelligence that brought me to my knees to worship Christ. Right? And I'll prove it to you. I, I never thought I was a sinner. Right? That, that was the most difficult thing for me to grasp. Me? Are you kidding me? Look at me. I'm not a sinner. You kidding? I'm serious. I, I couldn't, couldn't come to terms with that. It didn't make sense to me. It was foolishness. I mean, for heaven's sake, I, was, I became a Christian when I was in college at UNC Chapel Hill, right? Everything I'm learning there tells me the complete opposite of what the gospel says, right? You are not a sinner. You just do you. You do whatever the heck you want to do, and it's good, right? You are who you are. Live in that. That's what, essentially what, what, I'm, what I'm learning there. So if this is what I'm learning, how do I come to understand what the gospel says, that I am a sinner in need of a Savior? It's the Holy Spirit. He had to reveal that truth to me. And he did that by speaking through other people. He did that by speaking through his scripture. 
He's the one who softened my heart and opened my eyes to the truth of the gospel. See, we have no understanding of any of the ways of God unless we have the Holy Spirit. Paul says in, in, in verse 14, he explains that the man who does not have the Spirit does not have the resources to recognize, appreciate, or welcome the Holy Spirit. He doesn't have it. He doesn't have the ability to recognize, appreciate, or welcome the truth of the gospel. And this is not only true for my life, this is true for all of us. For anyone who, who is a follower of Christ, the only way that you came to any understanding of the gospel is through the truth and the work of the Holy Spirit. You see, several of you sitting here today, much like, much like me, you've, you've heard the gospel message time and time and time and time again. And it didn't click. Right? It didn't make any sense. It looked like foolishness to you. And you didn't just someday sit down and decide, you know what? I'm going to reason my way there. I'm going to use my own intellect, convince myself that I am a sinner, that there's this man named Jesus who is God, who came and died in my place. You didn't get to that point by reasoning your mind there. The Holy Spirit got you there. He's the one who was at work in you and ministered to you to draw you to your knees. You see, it's the Holy Spirit that's at work in this city. It is Him that is at work. It's Him that, that, that even though I stand here today, right, this isn't me in my own power, in my own intellect. I speak and I recall, not because of, of just my studying and, and all this and practice. No, it's the Holy Spirit who speaks through me. The only reason I'm able to declare, to know, and explain the gospel is because He's at work. You know, it's, it's really incredible what happens when preachers, and I'm not trying to pat myself on the back by any stretch, but you know what, I'll just say, it's, it's incredible what happens when Christians allow the Spirit to work through them. You see, there's, there's been so many times where I get up and, you know, I have to pray beforehand, God, I need you. God, I, I can't stand there in my own power. Holy Spirit, I need you to speak through me. And there's been so many times where Scripture comes to mind. I recall things that, that I don't even remember reading. And that's the work of the Spirit. There's there's, it's funny to say it this way, but there's times where we'll all be talking, and it's almost like an out-of-body experience where I start to listen to myself speak, and I'm like, dang, that was good. Let me, <laughs> let me write that down. Where, wait, that's not in my notes. Where did that come from? And, and I'm serious. It's, it's really this out-of-body experience because I know that in that, in that time, that's not me. That is not me. That is the work of the Spirit. You see, yeah, I've studied. Yes, I've prepared, but, but it's the Holy Spirit that brings faith and, and understanding. And for you that sit here, it's, it's the Holy Spirit at work in you, right? The only reason that, that you are able to receive and understand and appreciate what's being said is because of the ministry of the Holy Spirit, and it's His work that leads people to faith, right? It's because without the Holy Spirit, truth is incomprehensible, right? Without the Holy Spirit, truth doesn't make any sense. The Holy Spirit works to reveal truth. He speaks to us if we are willing to listen. Right? Do you catch it? He speaks to us if you're willing to listen. He imparts wisdom and understanding. Just like he does throughout the scripture, the Holy Spirit comforts and he talks to us. And it's not always in this booming, audible voice. Sometimes it's a still, small voice. But he speaks, he answers questions, he testifies of Christ to us. Now what's important here, what's really crucial, is that we spend time with the Spirit. 
Right? It's, it's only when we spend time with the Holy Spirit that we're able to really rely on Him. It's when we spend time praying and, and listening to the Holy Spirit that we begin to understand what it means to hear, hear, hear and follow His voice. Right? It's, it's kind of like, it's kinda like a, when you're in a relationship or just in a friendship. Right? You call the person, they don't answer the phone, and some of you still leave a voice message that says, hey, it's me, call me back. Well, how do you know who me is? Because you spent time with that person and you know their voice. It's the same thing with the Holy Spirit. You know His voice by spending time with Him and listening to Him and hearing from Him. So that when He calls and says, hey, it's me, you know who me is. It's amazing what happens. It's incredible what happens when you rely on Him and when you listen to His voice as He provides you this deep, greater understanding. Again, we do this by spending time with Him, by praying, reading the Scriptures, spending time in community as He speaks and uses other people in your life. Now, I want to I take a second and, and clarify and, and mention to you that just because the Holy Spirit is at work in you, it doesn't mean that you get every answer to every question that you've ever had. Right? The Holy Spirit can be working in you and doing great things through you, and you still be left with many, many questions. See, the, the reality is that the Spirit chooses to reveal what He reveals and withhold what He withholds. And I understand this is a, this is a really difficult reality for us to grasp because, because there are going to be things that happen to us or to people in our lives that we're left with wondering, God, why is this happening? How is this happening? What are you doing? How long are you going to be doing this for? But he, this, is, this is what we have to come to grips with. We have to rest in God's truth and trust that he's not only looking out for our best interest by working out our salvation, but that he is also working all things for his glory. You see, many people in Scripture were left in their questions. Job is one of those men. Job was left sitting there asking, God, why is this happening? He didn't understand what was going on. Why was he experiencing these crazy things that he was experiencing? Why did God allow all these things to happen? And he didn't get an answer to that question. But he got something greater. He got the presence of God with him. David is another guy that... that was left with many questions. But although David had all these questions, he trusted in the Lord's loving kindness. And he rejoiced in the salvation that he rightly states is God's. He rested in God's grace and mercy knowing that God has been good to him by working out salvation in his life. And so some of us here today, we're asking why, how long, what's going to happen my encouragement to you is that you have to find comfort in the forgiveness of Jesus and know and know that he is going to work out salvation in your life, that he's going to perfect that good work, but that he's working all things for his glory. See, his, his presence in our life is, is truly greater than any answer to any question we have. And guys, I, I understand this is really difficult. This is hard for us because... Look, I have plenty of questions. Right? I have a lot of questions that I've never received an answer to. I'm going through some right now. God, why, why are some of my best friends struggling through cancer? Look, these are, these are hard questions. And to be honest, I would likely never get an answer this side of heaven. I may never know. I may never truly understand why these things happen but I can rest in the salvation of the Lord that's been brought to me by the work of the Holy Spirit. 
And I can rest in the truth of the gospel to carry me through this life until I rest at his feet for eternity. I want to I actually ask you to do something this morning. On your seat, there, there's pens somewhere around you. Some of you have 30 of them in your pocket. Um, but on your seat or somewhere close to you, there, there should be a pen. If you don't have a pen and, and even a piece of paper or your notebooks or whatever, grab your phone or, or just sit and think for just a minute. What I want you to do is, is I want you to write down your biggest questions for God. Or at least just think about them. Maybe type them into your phone. What, what are the biggest questions that you want God to answer for you? It could be anything. And as you write those, when you, once you're done writing those, if you've got it on a sheet of paper or, or however you got it, you can, you can fold it, do whatever you need to do. Just, I want you to put them in your hands. I want you to put your hands out like this. If you're willing. Here's what I'm going to ask you to do this morning. I'm going to ask that you symbolically and in a minute, literally, you release these questions to God. That you, you rest in the truth of the gospel. So the question is, are you willing to let go of these questions? Are you willing to look at God and say, God, I trust that you are greater than these questions. God, you are greater than me getting an answer to these questions. And in just a minute, I'm actually going to ask you if you will literally leave those behind. No one's going to come through, and I'm not going to memorize where you're sitting and come through and see what questions you have, but are you willing to look at those questions, look at God, and say, God, I trust that you are greater, and that you are going to work all things for your glory, regardless of my circumstance, regardless of whether or not I ever get an answer to these questions. And what I want to also stress is it's okay to have these questions. God's not offended. He's not offended by us asking these questions. And it's okay for you to continue to ask questions. But the important thing is for you to be able to say, God, I have this question, but you are greater. And I am okay, God, if I never get an answer to this question because I know who you are. And you are so much greater. And I will trust and I will rest in you. And so the question again Will you rest in that truth? The gospel is the greatest truth, the greatest answer you could ever receive. Will you rest in that today? Let's pray. Father, I, I thank you. God, I thank you for your word. Lord Jesus, I thank you for who you are, for what you've done. I thank you that you loved us so much you didn't leave us in our sin that you died, you took our sin, you took our punishment, you took our death, you, you rose from the grave victorious. We praise you, Jesus. Holy Spirit, be at work in our hearts, be at work in the hearts of those here today, for those who do not trust, those who do not believe, those who have yet to put their faith in Christ, I pray they do that today. 
Holy Spirit, comfort us as we have these questions. Remind us of who God is. Remind us of the truth of the gospel. Remind us that our satisfaction and our identity is found in you and that you are so much greater than anything we could ever ask. Lord, remind us of that today. Holy Spirit, comfort us. Allow us to see truth and allow us to worship Jesus. Lord Jesus, we ask that in your name. Amen.